Yeah, g'day everyone and welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. My name is Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League Column and I'm joined every week by my co-host Blaze from BKR Sport. We've got a big show ahead. Before we get to all that, Blaze, how are you going my friend? Want a bit of a, uh, a health kick at the moment as we understand it. Mate, I was about to say, listen, I'm feeling like David Goggins. I'm feeling like The Rock. You know, we've uh, created Big Cow Travel, so if you guys want to see my fitness journey, you'll be able to see it on the YouTube channel. But yeah, going all right, man. Obviously, it's the off-season, so you've got to find something to really get you going. You know, we've got, what, six months, realistically, what is it, mid-October, November, well, I guess pre-season comes around, but November, December, January, February, and then March. Uh, and that's five months away. So we've got a long time between drinks before we actually get some more rugby league. So, you know, you've got to find something to do. Obviously, we're uh, focusing on the fitness side. You know, we're doing uh, what we love. And uh, no, it's been pretty good. So looking forward to getting into the women's season today. But, you know, yeah, look, if you if you see David Goggins around, it's actually probably me, not David. By the end of this podcast, we'll just have all of our listeners just push-ups and sit-ups whilst they're listening <laughs> along. Um, you are right, though, in all seriousness. You sort of, well, at least with my experience being a content creator, you start to get towards the end of the NRL season and you think, oh, I'd probably be good for a little break. Oh, yeah. Then you have a break for a few weeks and you're like, ugh. Um, of course, we've got some internationals at the moment and some other sports. Personally, hey, well, I'm a big... Go on. Well, I'm a big UFC fan. Um, I, I, lo- I like the BBL. I wouldn't say I love the BBL. I would say I really like it. Really outside of the NRL, though, my only the sport I really do love, I would say, is the UFC. Like basketball, like soccer, like NFL. Uh, my difference between like and love of when it's sports-related are huge. What sort of sports are you keeping up with in the off-season? Man, my name is Big House Sports, so it's literally everything, man. Like, if you name it, I probably watch it, to be honest with you. Whilst the NRL is going on through the season, I'm also watching the AFL. I'm also watching the Super Rugby. I'm also watching this, that, and everything. Um, you know, there's the baseball as well. But in the off-season, uh, we, we do Chicago Bulls. I love my Chicago Bulls, man. The basketball. Uh, we've got a bit of NFL, obviously, we're watching too. I really find it difficult to get into ice hockey, though. Um, like, when you're at the game, when I was at the United Center for the Chicago Blackhawks, it was amazing one of the best atmospheres you will experience worldwide but i just can't really keep up to like with the puck when it's on uh, a screen so don't really get into hockey too much i love my manchester city with football and and obviously we've got the cricket coming up but i'm not obsessed with bbl i think my favorite is the five day internationals in the big ones like uh, over the boxing day test and whatnot bbl is just too gimmicky for mine i think it's just a little bit too gimmicky but i do get around it still to kind of get around the gold coast heat and uh yeah no it's um it, it's still pretty fun it's still pretty fun the one day internationals i would be watching if it wasn't for the fact that it goes to like 2, 3 in the morning, which is ridiculous. Yeah, completely true. It's the same with the Rugby World Cup at the moment. Like, I know most people listening to this podcast would predominantly be rugby league fans. And there is that divide in Australia where like rugby union fans hate us for some reason and some <laughs> rugby league fans hate them. Um, but I, I'd be watching the Rugby World Cup for sure. I think I'll say as well, just on that, is that the reason why that is the case as well is because... Um, in Australia, there is a, a war mentality around your team and around your actual sport. So it's like with AFL and NRL and rugby, 
It's like if you're an NRL fan, you have to hate on rugby union or AFL. If you're an AFL fan, you have to do the same. And if you're a rugby fan, you have to do the same. For some reason, everyone in Australia just can't enjoy sport as a whole. Then you go and you put it in comparison with Americans. If you're in Chicago, you're a Bulls fan. You're a, either a Cubs or White Sox fan. You're definitely a Bears fan. And you're a Blackhawks fan. They get around all the sports in their city and support their team. I don't know what it is with Australians, but I guess it is what it is. I'm to the point where I know we've got the netball side. And I'd love to get around and support them. But I've genuinely, besides like playing netball in like year 11 forced PE, I wouldn't even know like the rules or where to start or, or really what's going on. But um, I always wish our netball girls the best of luck and hope they do really well. Final non, uh, non-Titans non related question. Rugby World Cup, have you got a predicted winner We're in the semifinals there now? Yeah, I've said since before the tournament started, it's going to be a Southern Hemisphere team. It's probably going to be South Africa. You know, South Africa are a very good team. They've got a massive forward pack. Uh, the French were probably their biggest test, and guess what? They just got knocked out. So, yeah, look, it's uh, it's pretty amazing that the Southern Hemisphere, I think, have won eight out of nine World Cups, two to Australia, three to New Zealand, three to South Africa, and one to the Poms. Um, so I think that comes to eight off the top of my head, or what is it? Yeah, three, six, seven, eight, nine. So out of nine, we've won eight, and the Northern Hemisphere has won one. And Ireland have never gotten past the uh, quarterfinals, which was an easy one to tell you guys that they were not going to do it. The All Blacks beat them there. So I'll go South Africa. Uh, I just feel like, yeah, they're just too good. They won in 2019, and they're probably going to win it again. I'm going to go the All Blacks. I reckon All Blacks will meet them on the other side of the draw. I reckon they'll get the job done. Um, it's a big game. It is. Uh, yeah, it's So I guess the point we make with that is a little bit of chat of other sports. There's still uh, plenty going on in the wider sports world as well. What about the Wallabies? What is... You reckon the Wallabies are going to crack on? Um, next section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Move on. Move on. Move on. In all honesty. Uh, what's on the show today, guys? We're going to recap our entire 2023 NRL season. We're going to go period by period, just like we did for the NRL season. Key moments, memories, stories, what went right, wrong, etc. Uh, nothing's off limit, but also nothing's planned. We're going to um, go through and really anything is up for discussion as we look through there. Then we'll go through and rate our entire squad just like we did for the NRL men's. Before we get to that, we'll go to our Titans news section as always. Niall Williams-Guthrie locked in until, uh, for the 2024 NRLW squad. Uh, and she also just captained the Samoan women's side to victory over the weekend. Jamie Chapman, grade one dangerous contact against the Kiwi Ferns, but of course a grade one in the women's game is only a warning, so all good to go there. Isaac Fa'asua Malawi, Ryan uh, Foran, and Josiah Pahulu have all been promoted into our top 30 squad. Tony Francis has re-signed until the end of 2025. Jacob Arlick until the end of 2024. Pause there. Anything you want to jump in specifically there on the news front? Uh, yeah, well, I think that it's great to have re-signed Noel Williams-Guthrie. There's a huge re-signing there. She loves the Gold Coast. You know, I uh, talked to her quite a bit, and she's uh, a really good woman who really wants to see the Gold Coast succeed. So love that Niall is uh, as passionate about the Gold Coast community as she's about Samoa, uh, where they obviously got a win on the weekend. Uh, yeah, good to hear about Jamie Chapo, and, and good, to, obviously, for the three signings. Just to clarify, I don't believe Ryan Foran is actually related to Kieran, FYI, guys. I don't believe it. Uh, but Josiah Pahulu is an absolute beast and um, obviously Isaac we do want to keep around Tony Francis is the big one here though like this is what we were talking about a few weeks ago after that Burley Bears uh, Q Cup final and throughout the season re-signed until the end of 2025 he is a absolute Big time player. Like, he scored a hat trick in that final despite the loss. He is the guy that scores the points there. He knows how to score points. 
Good player. Love that he's there, especially depth-wise. And now, and you've actually forgot to mention here in the Titans as well, Ipswich Jets. We didn't actually... Well, we kind of spoke about it last week, I guess. Um, but it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but mm. yeah, obviously we've got Ipswich Jets now. So I would assume... I would assume that Francis could go to the Jets because, you know, it's, it's difficult to see him getting in with the fact that we do have Loffy and Phil Sammy as good as they are right now. Um, but it's just great to have him re-sign. And Jacob Alec, you know, there's not much that needs to be said about him. International forward for Papua New Guinea. Um, had a try assist in the weekend and, you know, good on him. You know, he's a, he's a good, good bloke and I know he wants to stay here and we've got him for, for at least for the next season. The only thing I worry about Jacob Alec is with the upside that he has, I'm kind of worried that he could come in next year and be so good that it's like, all right, now we've got to show him the money. I would have liked if we had locked him up on more of a modest deal long term, uh, but obviously personally happy for Alec there. And well, like a Tony Francis until the end of 2025. Exactly. And that was actually my next big takeaway in Tony Francis. I mean, I just think back to pop quiz for you right now, and I know you're going to get this one. Who was the last Bears winger that scored a bunch of tries for him Came into the NRL and absolutely killed it in his rookie season. Well, I'm going to take a guess and say that it's a double barrel last name, uh, Alofiana Camperera. Absolutely nailed it. And that's what excites me about uh, Tony Francis. A lot of similarities between how he played last year, uh, this year, sorry, and AKP the year before. Unfortunate news here. Um, or could be, potentially. I, I should say potentially. Now, there are reports, but there's nothing confirmed. Uh, that Cleese Haas is going to test his value on the open market come November 1st this year. That was reported by News Corp newspapers. Zero Tackle has taken it one step further and said it's because he requested an upgrade on his contract and the club said our salary cap's too tight, we can't give you a higher salary. What do you think about all this? Do you feel confident we can lock Cleese down or do you think we could be a chance to unfortunately lose him? I think, look, I think there's always a chance. Like, there's always a chance. But I I know Khalees well, and he's a really good kid. A really good bloke, man. I, I don't think there's much to worry about here. I guess there is always that kind of, you know, thought process that things can change, for sure. But right at this very second, I'm not concerned. If this continues for a little bit now and we start to get more frequent reports, then you'll start to kind of, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But overall, I'm pretty confident that Khalees will stay and, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't really have too many concerns right at this very moment. I'm not sure if Khalees is managed uh, by the same management company as his brother Payne, but that would be my only concern. Um, if we did get to a point where we said, look, we probably can't give you quite the money you're after, Potentially, the manager could go straight to the Broncos and say, hey, you've already got one brother. Let's get Cleese on the books as well and already have that opening or that point of contact with the Broncos, I suppose. Mm. That's completely a wild, you know, we don't we don't know what can happen there. And, of course, we do hope we can lock up Cleese Haas long-term and have I him a regular part of our 17. I think as well, just before we do move into the NRLW here, we do have to also make mention of the fact that Keeper Park have obviously signed with the South Sydney Rabbitohs as well as their uh, as a, basically a breeding ground for them. And I think that it'd be kind of good for us to, to just to calm people down from thinking like this is an absolute whooping that has happened to our club, to be completely honest with you. Like, I get that a lot of people are obviously concerned, but, you know, what what are your thoughts on the fact that, obviously, Caper Park are now the, uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs? I think it's a big media beat-up in the sense that the headlines you see are Titans stuff up massively, Rabbitohs entrench on Titans territory. 
it's it's the off season, right? And these journalists still need to generate clicks and make money for their families. So the big headlines are like that are very catchy and they will get people talking. But if you delve a little bit deeper and you read the article and what's being reported now is Keeper wanted to be the sole provider of our juniors coming through the Gold Coast. And we said, well, we've also got PBC and we've also got Marsden. That doesn't really work for us. So Keeper have kind of pulled the pin under that grounds and... Marsden and PBC, they're two great schools. I don't think you give up two schools to keep one. Do you agree with that thought pattern? I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, Kiber is kind of a name right now, you know, and I, that's not to disrespect Kiber, but PBC was the one who won the schoolboys this year. PBC won the schoolboys. I don't believe Kiber were even in the finals, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I, I definitely think that we've made the choice here that I guess is the necessary choice, you know? Yeah, don't give up two schools for the sake of one. Kiber is great, and don't get me wrong, they've got a great history. But I feel like people don't actually give PBC the kind of respect that it deserves as well. PBC have just as much talent that have come through their system as Kiber. Again, I'll say this for everyone. PBC have had just as much as Kiber have. You know, the only reason Kiber have such a higher regard is because they had an individual called Benji Marshall that came through there. But outside of that, you go and have a look at the guys that have come through the PVC system, and it really is incredible. Like, the comparison is they're basically both the same. It's just that we were being asked to give up two for the one when we can have that PVC and also Marsden. It made no sense. So I, I think that we made the right decision, yeah. Anytime you mentioned Keeper as well, like you said, people go... Benji Marshall, Payne Haas, Dave Feeder, Tanner Boyd, Thomas McKayley, um, Moeki Fodawaker. There's been so many, like, uh, Reese Walsh. There's been so many superstars that it's such, like, if you want a school that grabs headlines and att attention, it's going to be Kiber just for what they've done in the past. Um, but I think I completely, I just see it that way. We kept two great schools, and unfortunately, we lost one good school. That's just how the cookie crumbles. I'm just going to go through here and tell you a couple of the players here that played NRL from Palm Beach, Corumban, just to kind of counteract that, because obviously those names you said were great. But you go through, there is Darius Boyd, who played for PBC. Obviously, Kane Elgie, Jamal Fogarty, Benny Hannant. Um, Jerome Hughes, obviously, plays New Zealand and also the Northern Storm. you got Ben Eichen, Ryan James. Um, you, you, you keep going down here. Luke O'Dwyer, Keenan Palacia, who's coming to us now from the Brisbane Broncos. Um, you go to the Parrot Brothers, Kevin Proctor, Jordan Rankin, Jordan Rapana. Uh, Cody Walker from the South Sydney Rabbitohs went to Palm Beach, Corumban. Um, Shannon Walker, who used to also play for us as well. And the, the, the list goes on. So it's like, yeah, okay. And also the Jed Cartwrights there, Aaron Booth. Um, the list goes on, man. There is so many players here that have come from Palm Beach, Corumban that, like, look at the guy, like, Jerome Hughes, buddy, Darius Boyd, the likes, it's, it's crazy the disrespect that Palm Beach gets comparatively to uh, Kiwa Park. That's very true. Um, that's a very good content idea. I am actually going to do that. I'm going to do the best Kiba lineup versus best PBC following this podcast on my page. That'd be a really, really fun post to have a look at. Um, final bit of news. Now, I know we did say last week we were going to go through and individually talk about how all our representatives went uh, in the Pacific Championships. And we've also got uh, Moeki Fodawaka over for Tonga at the moment and maybe a few other players. I don't want to miss anyone. Uh, but it's about 19 in total, right? And it would just go on a bit too long if we reviewed every player's performance. So we'll go a different direction. I'll go to you first. Which of our 19 reps impressed you the most last weekend? 
Yeah, look, I think it's going to have to be the big tenor for Asul Malawi. And it's, it's like Shut a broken me. record here. It's, it's, it's a broken record here on the podcast, man. You know, he scored a try. He only played 45 minutes, which you're going to see in international football. Uh, but honestly, he is just an absolute beast. 132 metres from 10 runs there. Uh, he had 50 post-contact metres as well. Now, obviously, Payne Haas had a fantastic game as well. Uh, but, you know, Tino went toe-to-toe with him. He had a line break there, Tino. Um, six tackle breaks through six hit-ups. Uh, two offloads in the game as well. And uh, made a bucket load of tackles. So, yeah, really impressive there from Tino. Love what he's doing. And it, it, it just kind of is what it is at this point. You know, people are going to... People need to recognize that he is one of the best front rowers in the game. Well, actually, someone said that on uh, my post today. I had Tino uh, did a, a prop sort of uh, pyramid. Sort and of, I had yeah. Tino on tier two alongside AFB and James Fisher-Harris. Mm. And I had Payne Haas above him. And people kept saying for Tino to be the one to drop there. And I, no I, I think Tino is clearly the third best prop in the game at the moment. So yeah. uh, he proved it again on the weekend. I'll go a different way. I was going to go Tino, full disclosure. And I don't think it would have shocked anyone. Uh, Fetu Samoa, the Samoan women's side, they had three of our girls, half of them in the spine. Destiny at fullback, Lafipo at halfback. But I'm going to go their captain and our recent re-signing. Niall Williams-Guthrie, two try assists, 166 metres, the most of any player. 64 of those post-contact. Only one forward had more than her, second on her team. Two line break assists, two tackles, one offload, and defended absolutely perfectly. 13 tackles for zero missed. Now, that's as much as... like The starting props had 8 and 14, respectively. So Niall out there in the centres had 13 for zero misses. So I'll give her as my Titans rep player of the week. Brilliant there as the captain leading the side to victory. All right, that will wrap up our news. And now we'll jump into our season-specific breakdown. Just like the NRL, and we're going to break it down in little periods. So we'll kick it off with season kickoff, rounds one to three. Then we'll go mid-season, rounds four to six. And then we'll go the run home, rounds seven to nine, before, fortunately, getting to speak about finals, which we didn't get to uh, do with our men's side this year. So we need to celebrate what was a great season by our girls. And let's break it all down right now. Rounds one to three. In this period, we start perfectly. We go 3-0 with wins over the Cowboys, Broncos, and Sharks. Personally, for me, during this period, my favorite memory that I'll remember for a long time was Lauren Brown's field goal against the Broncos. Are you going to concur on that, or have you got a different memory that jumps out? Yeah, uh, like it's it's difficult because there is the Lauren Brown field goal, which was incredible. There also was the last-minute try there. I think it was by Haley um, J. Orman Mournsall uh, against yep. the Sharkies that, that won the game there. Uh, but I think that, yeah, if I'm, if I'm going to look at an individual moment that absolutely, you know, made us incredibly hype. It was that uh, that field goal by Lauren Brown against the, the Brisbane Broncos, especially considering that obviously she used to play for the Brisbane Broncos. So she put the dagger into the heart of our enemies up the M1. And uh, you're never, you're never going to complain about that, man. You are never going to complain about that. Especially because that men's side just beat him as well. That's what made that one even more special. We went or 2-0 and here in the most recent two encounters there. Mm. Uh, back to round one. I do remember against the Cowboys, their hooker, uh, Emma Manselman, scored in the first six minutes. Yeah. And not to be too negative, but because we were wooden spoon season before, I kind of got that stomach, that feeling in my stomach. I know. I hope I haven't read this wrong because I, I, I thought I was confident we'd be a competitive side um, and competing for a premiership this year, which we were proven right eventually. 
about six minutes in, I was thinking, oh, no, not another season. I I can't do this. Uh, But by the end of it, I was like, you know, the way we came back in that game and played so strong, I was like, well, we're definitely playing finals. So it was a roller coaster of emotions. Round two was brilliant. We touched on it. Any time you beat the Broncos is a good time. Um, but I've got to say, they, they were up 10 nil after five minutes. And yeah. it was not looking great. And they're the one side I do not want to lose to ever. Um, <laughs> then we move into the second half and they score in the first minute there as well. And you just have to think at that stage, what are we doing to start our halves? In the end, we corrected that, but it did take us a while in our season. Uh, yeah, in the end, we just wanted it more than those pretenders from the filthy River City. <laughs> Don't start me again. Don't do it. Don't <laughs> start me again on Brisbane. Maybe that could be our new nickname for him, the Filthy River City Broncos. Filthy River um, I don't City know if it'll Series stick. Broncos. <laughs> I don't know if it'll stick, but uh, oh, hey, one can try. And then round three. I mean, the memories I have of this one was, I, I can't. I think it was like a few days before we were actually down there, a week before, wasn't it? Before we our men played uh, yes. the Sharks. It was. And I remember uh, it was Brad Takarangi's sister that dropped the ball. And I actually asked him because he was at Northies with us. And I said, mm-hmm. uh, how did she feel? And he said, oh, mate, she was... And I said, she actually had a good game. It was just so unlucky. Uh, but she drops the ball with two minutes to go. You had to feel sorry for her. But I had a feeling straight away, like, we're going to win here. Because we, you know, come back the last two weeks. I had a feeling we're going to win here. I had that gut feeling. Um, and it's just unreal to get a win on the buzzer. Like, regardless of sport or anything, winning in the last seconds is such a great feeling. Mm. And we got to experience it. Officially, we uh, we finished that period in first place, three and zero there. So it was really, really looking good. We'll go midway point rounds four to six. Am I, so, get, am I allowed to say anything about the first three rounds? No, you're not. No, no, we'll no, go no, straight back just, to the first. We, we're just going to skip me. This we're just going to let you talk. <laughs> Mate. I was just no, waiting. No. I was waiting for my <laughs> moment, and then he goes, "You know what? Now we're going to move to the midway point of the season." <laughs> you know what? That that crossed in my mind. I'm like, I wonder if Blaze has anything further to add there, and I was going to ask, but I'm I haven't like, had anything want... to add. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> Like uh, upon reflection, that was that was very rude. That was that was typical Broncos fan behaviour. So I apologise. Oh my god! Uh, let's go back to you. Your your breakdown of that little period, please. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll have a little breakdown here. Yeah, look, I thought that the first game was great. Obviously, it was at Seawest Super Stadium. It was a beautiful day there, and you know, at that time, I think I think it was like we would play a week beforehand or something like that. So the Cowboys men's game, I think, was the the week after this, uh, which we ultimately won. So it was a telling sign of the first few weeks that the women's team that we were beating, actually, we usually ended up, you know, winning in the men's. Uh, and that's why we got a little bit, uh, you know, confronted with the Sharkies one uh, when we mm. did win that one. And then we did not win the men's one. Uh, but yeah, 16-6 against the Cowboys. You know, obviously the Cowboys were... Uh, that was their first ever game. So they started off hot. We all knew that would happen. Uh, but we came over the top of them in the end. And, and Destiny Minnes in a party really showed her way in this game. And the disappointing thing about this game was that we obviously started with Talia Fuimaono. But she only started for about, you know, the first 20 minutes or so before getting that injury. That we did not see her again for the rest of the season. So, uh, you know, a bit of bittersweet one there from the Cowboys game. In regards to the Broncos... That was a really back-and-forth game. As you said, in the first five minutes, you know, Lauren Dem and Haley Maddock both scored. Brigginshaw obviously got one of those conversions. Um, you know, we're down 10-0. I'm on stream, live stream, thinking I'm about to get absolutely embarrassed here because 
this is awful. You know, we're down 10-0 quickly, but then Emily Bass hit back, Ivani Paliti hit back, um, and then we went down again because Gail Broughton scored for the Broncos. So we actually didn't lead, I don't believe, until we kicked the winning field goal through Lauren Brown, and it was a bit of a field goal fest. Shante Kiriratsu was trying to get some, and obviously Brigginshaw and the Broncos were trying to get some, but luckily enough, it was our girl, Loza Brown, who, who slapped it over, and obviously that was at the Gabba at the time because... Uh, that was around the time when obviously the FIFA Women's World Cup was on. Yeah. So that was at the Gabba. And yeah, great performance there by the girls. You know, it showed our tenacity and our adversity that we were able to overcome. And then when it came down to the Sharkies game, that's another game that showed the tenacity and vers- adversity that we could overcome. Like we just knew how to uh, find a way to win games. You know, we went down 8 0 in this game. We were down 8 0 at half time. And the second half, Shaylee Bent scored. Loza Brown got the conversion. And then Haley J. Orman Mornsall scored with two minutes left in the clock, a minute left in the clock. So um, that was a fantastic way to overcome a, a game that we thought was out of reach. And that was those two games were both away from home. We won the Cowboys game relatively comfortably at home. But the two games away from home, we went down and still were able to overcome the home team. So it was a really impressive first three weeks. Actually, that would be... If I had to give like our first three weeks a movie title or like, you know, a series name, I'd actually say Overcoming Adversity. Mm. I think that's a really good way to encapsulate what happened in that period. As you said, we've got the Cowboys scoring first and early. We've got the Broncos doing the same and, uh, and having to come back and beat them in Golden Point. And then we've got a win with the Sharkies in the final two minutes. So it, we absolutely shown in that period we can overcome adversity. I think that's probably the, the perfect way to sum up that period. Mm. Um, rounds four to six midway point in this period we did experience our worst form of the season we went one and two two losses there being to the Knights and the Roosters they were back to back Uh, so round four 22 to 10 loss against the Knights round five it was a 30 to 8 loss (laughs) against the Roosters and in round six we beat the Dragons by a field goal 23 to 22 Let's go back to round four. We're at McDonald Jones Stadium. We know the curse that exists in the men's game where typically they play really good at home. Typically we play really good at home. And it was a 13,000 strong Newcastle crowd. I'm not sure if it was an NRL doubleheader. I can't remember back that far. It was. Mm. Uh, Well, their fans definitely came early. 13,000 is a really, really strong crowd in the NRLW. Um, I I would say the Knights have the best NRLW fans in the league. Would, Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say, say, no, I'd say Knights first. Yeah, Titans second. Knights first, Titans yep. second. I don't I don't think anybody's close to third. Yeah, and, the, and I think the reason why the Knights do have such a good credit is because they've won well, they've won that initial premiership. Now they've won back-to-back. The scariest thing is their fans are going to come out even bigger next year, mm. which means they'll continue to be a really, really tough, um, tough side. I tipped this in round four, if I remember correctly, but it was one of those tips where it's like, like what you always say, I believe we can... Win, so I'm going to tip us and, and try to frame up some reasons why we should win. Mm. Uh, but deep down with this one, I, I wasn't feeling too confident just based on the fact they were reigning premiers. Do you have any specific memories from this one? No, I think that the, the memory from this one was that we were in it without being in it. There was just mistakes galore, to be honest with you. And the Knights, you know, we were coming in, we'd had confidence from the first three weeks, but we also hadn't really beaten an absolute bolter for the top four, really. The Broncos weren't a bolter. Like, we thought they'd be good, but, you know, there were still a lot of errors in their game, and I think they'd lost the week beforehand to the Roosters as well. So they were 0-2 after their loss. So we didn't really have too much to go on from those first three rounds, and especially the Sharks, who had never played before. This was their first season. So we came into this game, obviously being confident, 
uh, but also knowing to be wary. And yeah, look, Tamika to, to Upton was brilliant. Again, Abigail Roche was brilliant. I actually think the Knights were better. I think they were better and more deserving in this game than the grand final. I would say that this was a one, this was a game where it's like, I don't blame the referee. I don't blame the bunker. I don't blame anybody else. I just think it was just our errors and our inconsistencies that lost us this game. 100%. I completely concur there. I'm happy to say at the end of the 70 minutes that they were the better side. It was a game where like, we were completely out of it, but it was kind of clear we needed some stuff to go our way because uh, we weren't quite on that level at that stage of the season. And we did get something go away. 30, uh, 41st minute, rather, they had a sin bin, and we did manage to score one minute later. But then I remember we made a few errors, and ultimately I think we finished like one or two sets in that whole sin bin period, which... NRLW, it's 10 minutes shorter. Sinbin period's even more important, and we really didn't take advantage. So I completely concur that the Knights deserved that win wholeheartedly. Round five. <laughs> this was bad. This was really bad. This was our worst game of the season. Oh, yeah. And I think I look back on it now, and I can actually draw a positive out of it. I think it was like a real turning point, like a line in the sand where now we're three and two. Are we going to go, like, you know, our season could have gone south from there. We could have dropped our heads. Um, I believe after this also, we might have even dropped as low as fifth or fourth. We, we definitely dropped. I don't think uh, we ever I... dropped out of the top four all season, but I'm pretty certain we were fourth. on the brink of dropping off fourth. Yeah, like, and I think fifth might have been on the same points as this point. So mm. it was like seriously a turning point in our season where it could have gone really south from there. But I take the positive out of it, man. Like our girls drew a line in the sand and said, no, that's it. We know we can beat premiership contenders and we are. And, and they, you know, they went ahead and proved that they scored after one minute in this game. And this is like what we were saying in the uh, when we met them in the finals in our, in our preview. Like, everything went their way this week. They scored one minute in. It was, wasn't over at that stage because we seen in the Broncos game we can come back from early adversity. But we also knew the Roosters are such a classy side that if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And they're going to build that momentum. And ultimately, that's what they did. They just kept momentum rolling, suffocated us, um, and we just couldn't get it going. My final takeaway from this one, I think it was this was the game where it was really clear to us on the podcast, if I remember correctly, that our two young halves combo isn't working. We needed yeah. to look at something a little bit different there. Uh, what sort of memories do you have of round five? Well, yeah, it was that C-Bus, so it wasn't great. Uh, we, we, we did have 7,000 people on attendance, which was great to watch us get absolutely whooped. Uh, but yeah, look, we we start... Well, at least Niall Williams-Guthrie obviously got us back into to range to only be down by six points to four, and we were only down 16-4 at half time. So, you know, it's not like we were out of it, but the Roosters were just too good. And I think that this game was actually, as you said, a necessity for us to be able to overturn that game in the semi-final against the Roosters. Because one, we knew that we had to lock down Taryn Aiken, and that's exactly what we did in the semi-final, uh, because she was incredible in this game here uh, to win 3-8. And they just were, as you said, that the halves combination were two inexperienced youngsters in Siena Lafippo and Shante Kiriaratu. We needed a bit of experience, and it was after this game that obviously put Loza Brown into that uh, that seven role and then moved uh, Brittany Bradinati into the number nine. So, uh, yeah, this was a necessary game for the Titans to understand what was happening wasn't actually working. Uh, the Roosters put a score past us. They deserved to put a score past us. And that game right there showed how good we actually made our back end of the season after this and turned it around because this was really the, I guess, the culmination of a lot of things to the Titans and we were able to power forward through from here.
and from this game, I can definitely see why virtually no other content creators gave us a chance in the finals. I don't think out for anyone tip us but us, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we, you go well, off that game... From here, we don't lose a game until the grand final. Exactly. It was such a great point, uh, a great turning point in the season. Round six, now officially we versed the Dragons, but if you watch this game, you know we versed Tegan Berry. Um, <laughs> we caught the end of this one together. We were both at Amy Park for, to watch the field goal and watch us win. Um, prior to that, we were arriving, driving uh, through the very quiet Melbourne streets and trying to find parks where there was lots available. Yeah, and this is the, the only game we watched one. today. This was the only game we watched on this day, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Um, honestly, the problem in this one was the goal kicking. Uh, Lauren Brown kicked one from five. But then she nailed an iconic field goal. Only NRLW player to uh, hit two field goals in a season. And they were both like amazing field goals with distance as well. Uh, Honestly, outside of that, the takeaway I have from this isn't actually from the Titans. It's from Tegan Berry. Mm. Um, Her, Politi, Upton. There's so many fun fullbacks to watch in the NRLW that are just excitement machines. And Tegan Berry is one of them, unfortunately. And she almost beat us with four tries. But Loza Brown, as you said, shifted into the halves, nails another field goal, gets the dub for us. Your memories of this one? My memories of this one is that, like, it just reminds me of the men's, you know? How, like, we went up big early and then completely fell away for Teague and Barry to, to come back and put a score on us to make it 23-22, 22-22. And then we kicked the field goal. I wish our men's knew how to still win, even with the comeback. You know, like, please, you can go up big and let them come back big, but still win. And that's another thing that we took out of this, is that although the momentum absolutely fell away from us, man, it absolutely fell away from us, the fact is we still got the job done. And Lauren Brown knows how to kick a field goal. She's the field goal queen. The thing that I really loved about this game was that we actually scored a try in the 62nd minute. They then scored in the 66th minute. Now, at the 62nd minute, when you're kind of scoring a try to get get rid of the comeback there, you know, the... Yeah, look, it, it just... It wasn't... It, at, at that point, you're thinking the mo- momentum is done. The Titans have got this game in the bag because they've got a try. It's like the Bulldogs game, actually, at a course stadium. You're thinking, we've scored a try in the 72nd minute. Bang, there we go. We've won the game. Wrong. Tegan Barry still scores there. So at that 66th minute point, considering you thought you had the game won, now you don't, to then have to go to the end of regulation and then into extra time and then to kick the... Oh, no, it was actually in regulation. It was 69th minute, so don't worry. It wasn't extra time. But to go through and find a way to still win that game is actually really incredible. To, To still overturn that complete drop in energy and mindset to then get that field goal is incredible. So I, that's what I took out of this game. The craziest stat from this game as well was we missed 17 tackles. That's actually mm. like insanely good defensively. 15 of those were on Tegan Berry. So between the whole rest of our team, the winger broke wow. one and the center broke one. No one else in the... So, oh, I just can't believe it. You'll never see that stat again in the NRLW or NRL that's where cool. our team makes 17 tackle breaks and 15 belong to only one player. You'll just never see that again. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, now, due to the two losses in this period, we did drop to fourth. I don't really think we were that close to winning either. A win of either would have kept us in first place. Um, but look, our four and against in this period was one. And that is why we dropped down to fourth. It was on points differential. Um, but I think that's why this next period is so fun to talk about, right? Round seven to nine, because we've shown that we can score points. 
officially we beat the Tigers 16 to 4. We then beat the Eels 34 to 12. And then we beat the Raiders 30 to 6. Just dominant in this period. Literally nothing went wrong. Maybe you could say for the Tigers game, we should have put them to the sword a little bit more. But I think you're being picky there. Like it's still a 12 point win, and the other wins were massive in this one. Um, just a great period for the club. Tigers and Eels. I believe you were at both of these. Now, for the Tigers mm-hmm. one, that was a doubleheader, right? Uh, I can't remember which game after. Is uh, st- I think September. it might have been maybe Panth. No, no, the Panthers, Panthers was the one. No, the Pan- No, this might have been Bulldogs because the Panthers was the one after the Roosters game. And then, okay. and that was the third last game of the season. So I think this was the Bulldogs because the Eels Titans one was by itself. It was a doubleheader with the women's. There was no men's. Yep. So yeah, this would have had to have been the doubleheader with the Bulldogs game. Okay, so there was four thousand seven hundred there, and then for the standalone game, which you just said, then that was one against the Eels. We dropped down to two thousand in attendance. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. That's more than a fifty percent reduction in our crowd. Mm-hmm. Is it something we need to address? If it is, how do we address it? And how do we get all Titans fans coming out for the NRLW side just like they would for the NRL side? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a tough one, man, because, like, obviously, the reason why... And I'll, I'll compare to the NRLW for the Knights as well. The reason why they get good crowds ultimately is because of the men's team and because they've won. The Gold Coast women's team... They have not won yet. You know, the Knights would not be getting these numbers if they didn't win last season and then obviously go on to be number one this season again. And they were one throughout the season on the ladder. So it's like they have the confidence in their team. Gold Coast is... And also, this. Let's, let's be honest here, there's not a great deal to do in Newcastle compared to the Gold Coast. So, you know, the Gold Coast it, it finds it very difficult. Firstly, get to Rabina too. Like, yes, there's a train station and whatnot, but it, it is a little bit of a, you know, out of your way. So, you know, a lot of people haven't really welcomed the women's game in yet. If they won the grand final, it would be different. Gold Coasters would get around it. But again, there's more to do on the Gold Coast outside of footy than just to get to the footy. And that's why our men's team can struggle with crowds as well. So, uh, And also the lack of success. So, no, I don't think it's something that we've really got to address. I just think that, you know, we've got to continue to be a good team, a quality team in the NLW. And the fans will come. I don't think we'll get that 13,000, 14,000 to an individual women's game like they had in the finals at the, uh, the Knights. But... You know, and I think that's due to location rather than real kind of impact. But yeah, look, I think that we'll keep building, man. We'll keep building. It's disappointing, but we'll keep building. I was there, and that's all I can say. Yeah, we'll keep building. I think can't really make the tickets too much cheaper. I think they're like five or ten bucks. You still got to pay to have the stadium. Bucks. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think as long as we continue having success. Um, people might have something on that day. So they say, I'll go and check it out. Then they get to watch our girls win and have a great time. Um, like I know for me, when I was down here for the Canberra game, it was a lot of fun. It was a great afternoon, beautiful conditions, beautiful win. And I'll absolutely be going next time because I had a positive experience. And I do think most people will be the same with our NRLW side. Our girls play a really exciting brand of footy, right? When does the draw come out next year? For, for next year, do you know? Oh, Surely you I don't know. know. No, I, I, the NRL, I'm not even sure if they have like an official draw date or anything like that. Um, so maybe usually, like sometime? Usually they kind of build it up and announce it on the NRL website and say the draw will be dropped on this date. Um, but I've not I've not seen that date announced just yet. 
this, this is a little bit weird. There's this website I'm on called afltables.com and it's got the Gold Coast Titans data here. Um, and I've just double-checked. <laughs> it's definitely not the Suns. We're dealing with the Titans. Yeah. Our most successful season was like 2010, 2011. No way, 2011. We got the wooden spoon. Oh, sorry. 2009 and 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we had 19,000 and 17,000 those years. Um, and then... By comparison, 2022 was a poor season for us. We had 15,000. Yeah. Says we averaged 19,500 this year. Yeah, so you no, can we've... sort of see there that... Yeah, go on. Well, I'm just saying, you can sort of see there, like, um, when the club's going well, we average more fans in the NRL. When we're not going so well, we don't average as many fans. And I do think that same applies to the NRLW. I'll tell you in regards to that, the reason why is because Gold Coasters have more stuff to do. So if they know that the team is not going well, they're going to go to the beach. They're going to go to watch a movie. They're going to go to the theme parks. They're going to go live it up on the best city in the country. I'll tell you that right now. We are the best in the country. There is so much to do here. It's a different lifestyle here compared to the Sydney and Brisbane and Melbourne, all that sort of stuff. It's a very different lifestyle. So people go out and they're a lot more laid back and just don't really care, right? So um, when we're good, Good. The fact is, we were not good. And regardless of if we were getting outnumbered this year, the fact is, when we're good, we will get crowds of 21,000 plus. I guarantee you, in that 2010 year, I remember multiple, and I mean multiple games were sold out at Seabus, at Skill Park at the time. They were sold out. And that was at a time where we were good, but I don't think anyone was ever beating the Dragons that year, but like we were good. So I think it's just, unfortunately, it's a bandwagon around the Gold Coast. We'll always have to get used to it. But the fact is, when we're good and when we're successful, whether that be men's or women's, we will get much more numbers because people want to know on the Gold Coast that if I'm going to go to the game, I better be expecting a win because otherwise I'll go and do something better. And we will welcome all those bandwagon fans when they do come along. We've had 202 home games in our existence. How many of those have you missed? It's quicker uh, than asking how many you've been at. <laughs> not many, man. Like 2019, for the first half of the season, I was in Chicago. So I probably would have missed about maybe six, six. home games or so, I would say. Six home games because I got back in end of May. So it would have been, I would have got June, July, August in. So yeah, I'd probably say about six there. Um, and then very, very scarcely, man. I Like, I couldn't even... I was in Melbourne. I lived in Melbourne in 2015 and 2016 and still got to every single home game. So, And I was nice. going to university in Melbourne at La Trobe. So um, I haven't missed many home games, man. I have not missed many home games. Nice. That's awesome. As soon as I saw that, I thought you would have been to most of those. Our all-time averages are 15,049 per game over a sample size of 202. So. I like that. Not, not as bad as people make it out to be online. Um, in terms of the NRLW season, and back to this one, Tigers and Eels, round seven and eight. I honestly don't have too much to really break down for these games. Like I just feel like there were two games we had to win. We had to beat them. It was as simple as that, and we did. If I had to give a takeaway from the Tigers game, it was definitely Shannon Mato's 286 metres. That is second all-time in the NRLW, only behind Samama Taufa. Uh, she ran 300-plus ones. Now, where that gets interesting... Shannon Marto has the Fox Sports record. Simama Taufa rather has the NRL record because they keep different stats. So depends which one you want to go off. Shannon Marto either has the record, she broke it, or she's second there. And then for the Eels game, it was just like backing that up and showing that we've got the ability to score points. I mean, at that point of the season, 
it probably wasn't our Achilles heel, but it was our biggest weakness in a side that was looking very, very good in all other areas. So those are my takeaways from those weeks. What jumps out for you? Yeah, big shout-out goes to Tess Staines uh, from the Tigers and Mahalia Murphy from the Eels because those two women proved to me that it's easier to get into the women's heads than it is into the She's on the SAS show at the moment as well on Channel 7. What, Mahalia? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I can tell. I can tell because her reaction was not great. (laughs) She's got some fire in her belly. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't worry. I saw that one there. But, no, it was obviously some good banter going on. And Mahalia took it a little bit more serious than than maybe others did. Uh, But I just remember Tess Staines, there was a ball from the Tigers, and they threw it over to her and went over the sideline. And I said, I yelled out, I'm not playing in the game. You can't pass a ball to me. And I have never received a bigger death stare than Tess Staines gave me. Like, she gave... And everyone around me was like, whoa, because she gave the filthiest death stare I have ever witnessed in my life. And it was Mm. the biggest win that I've had besides Zachy Boy Lomax. It was incredible, man. It's so much fun being at games and getting into the players' heads. Uh, But it's true. Like, I'm not playing, so don't try to pass in the ball. Outside of that, like, obviously, yeah, we we beat the Tigers. That was expected. And we beat the Eels, who were awful this year. That was expected. Um, Don't know whether we gave 12 points to the Eels, but, like, we scored 34. And, yeah, as, as we kind of allude to, throughout the beginning part of the season, you know, we scored not many points. We weren't scoring points. That was our biggest issue. Um, our defense was the best defense in the comp across the competition. FYI, I just want to throw that out there. Um, but our attack always kind of struggled. But then we got to the Dragons game. We scored 23, the Tigers 16, the Eels 34. And that really set us up for the uh, next game in the Canberra game that obviously we won 30-6 to where we just absolutely pumped home. And it really just proved that we were back, we were ready to move on, and we were firing. I think I might have you here with a story. I think I might have you in it. It's rare that I'll have you in terms of crowd stories. Um, You go to a much larger amount of games (laughs) than me, and you're definitely more vocal. (laughs) But I think think I've got you here. I don't remember the exact year, but Jamie Soud, when he played for the Dragons, Mm. my friend had season tickets on the 50-meter line in the front row. So you know how close you are at Seabus to the players. Oh, yeah, I know. Jamie Jamie Soud came out to the wing to defend and I yelled out something like, no surprise you're out there hiding against Soud. <laughs> and he turned to me, he pointed to me in the crowd and I, I don't know how I can show this for our listeners without swearing, but he, he mimed that I've got a private part on my head. But mm-hmm. he pointed to me and made sure he's talking to me and said, you are a private part head. They, hey, guess <laughs> what? You know, I, I think I know someone who's learned from that and that's David Nofaluma who did that for me when we played the Tigers this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, he definitely took notes from Jamie on that. I'll, I'll He's taking it, notes from Jane. A hundred percent. You can get into the players' heads uh, when you're at Seabus because we are so close to the field. You it have to have bloody... confidence though, because they will come back at you. Like as Clarky just said, Sal, we went back at him. You know, you don't even want it. The numbers that I have, the numbers that I have, the scalps that I have is through the mm-hmm. roof, man. Through the roof. Don't don't even start me on being blocked by Reese Walsh and Adam Reynolds on Instagram. <laughs> you know, like that's the point. It's it's good fun. You enjoy it. Most of them enjoy, except for those two cats. But like it's it, and Zach Lomax. But like overall, it, it is good fun. And you are so close. And this is why you need to get to games because it is so easy. But it's also fun. Don't take it too far, guys. Like, I know what I'm doing, and I'm assuming Dane also knows what he's doing. We know what we're doing. We're not going too crazy. We're not, there's no racism. There's no bullshit, you know. It's just, you know, it's just real good fun banter about what's happening on the field. That's what's going to stay. So I just want to really reiterate that for people. Do not go to the games and abuse players. You go to the game, 
and you make fun of them. <laughs> I mean, we have such a beautiful stadium in general, but just the fact that you are so close to the players, they can hear you at times or always, essentially. It can make some funny conversations. But I, I would back up what you're saying there. We're not saying go and abuse someone. Like, Make sure if you're given banter, it's about the game. It mm. can't be stuff off the field. It can't be anything that's not to do with them, like a friend or a family member. It's just, it's not it's not banter at that point. So it, it has to be banter. It has to be something to do with the game or something they've done in a game in the past. So great stadium. Sounds like we've both got a few victims. Well, you've got a few. I've got one. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. Whenever you come back to see us, man, which you haven't sat in the front line yet, you'll uh, you'll get another one if you if you go at it with me. I'm just trying to think. How can we like? We need to whip up like a sign or something or a banner. And just have like the Grim Reaper on the bottom, but like Photoshop your head on the Grim Reaper <laughs> and just put all of our victims on the banner. Don't worry, man. When that draw comes out, the first game I'm looking at, not the Broncos, it's Dragon Seabus. <laughs> I might even Photoshop that banner up for you. I reckon we need to get that done up. These <laughs> victims and just get someone to hold it in the front line. That could have, that, that, that's some solid banter right there. Round nine, we come into this one against the Raiders, and this is such a strange one because I felt at this stage of the season like we were definitely proving our credentials. We're a final side, but it was such a tight season that we could lose, but not to a large margin. In the end, we show we can score points again. We hit the best form we've been in all season. Um, As you said, we didn't lose from that little tough period, and um, we just absolutely blow the Raiders off the path. Uh, For this one, I was there live, and it was just such a great time because it was never in doubt. It was just never in doubt. We blew them off the park. It was an amazing afternoon and ultimately a really, really memorable game for me. Uh, what jumps out to you from this one? Yeah, we just absolutely crushed this one, man. It was really, really good to see. It was good confidence booster. We needed to win that one because if we lost it by 12, we actually would have missed the finals to the Raiders. So it was a bit nerve-wracking going into it, but I guess it was like the, the men's game in the Warriors versus Titans in 2021 where we needed to win by 11. This one we just needed to win. Uh, to make the finals, and we absolutely romped them in both those games, right? So it's really good to see that whether it be the men's or the women's, man, we know how to win games when we absolutely need to. So please get in the finals because we need to win those finals games. But yeah, look, it was incredible from the start. Shannon Marta got over the line, scored a try really quickly. Honestly, man, I don't even think that that six points there was anything besides we took players off for the last four minutes of the game. I would honestly go and say we beat them to nil. I would nearly go as far to say that. Um, that was against our, basically, you know, we had taken about four, four of our players off uh, going to that last five minutes. So, yeah, we it was a great game by everyone involved. And, um, you know, it was a different try score. There was no double try scorers. We had Marto, Politi, Chapman, Brown, Bent, and Lafipo all score. So, and then Zara Camper was one kicking. So everyone got a, B, a piece of the chocolate cake. And I am listening to you that time when you mentioned a Jamie Chapman try in this game. I remember a few podcasts ago, I was off with the Bears, <laughs> Googling something you asked me, and I just said, I've got no idea what you just asked, sorry. Mm. I'm just thinking back, we actually have had a few clutch games, NRL and NRLW. Like, if we look at our men's real quickly, we had the Warriors, when you mentioned, almost beat the Roosters. This year for the women's, we had the, no, we, the we victories did over the... the Roosters, mate. No, we, we oh, did beat God. the Roosters. Patrick, oh. we did. I'm not even going to say anything. I'll never forget that. That was just, oh, that, that honestly haunted me. Um, well, I remember my neighbor goes for the Roosters, right? And afterwards, oh, I was distraught. And he came over playing the Roosters theme song. And like, oh, I get he I was trying to have an attempted banter. No. I know. And I was like, no. not now, man. I was like, not now. Like, 
I'm not being a sook. If it was a regular season game, I'd laugh. I'd think it's funny, but Dude, I, I can't. Dude, I live-streamed that in front of like a thousand people on BKR Sport. I live-streamed yeah. it to a thousand troll people <laughs> who were going at me. I know how you feel. Like Yours is actually worse, though, I would say, because you're like in person with that person, and they're playing a Rooster song, and that would have really wound me up at that time. But, you know, I was streaming thousand people, and there was probably like... 20% Titans fans, 80% they don't care how I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a game where we got so close, but you mentioned the Warriors one before that, the NRL um, W, we mentioned a few there, then the Dragons, then the Roosters where we're underdogs. Um, this year against all the big sides in the NRL, we gave a good showing of ourselves. Warriors we are, 10. Yeah, we are, we are kind of building a culture at the club where we get up for these big games, and I think that's really, really exciting and, and cool. So, we get to the end of this period. We've just beaten the Raiders. The 2023 NRLW regular season is over at this point, and we finish third. Roosters and Knights finish above us. Broncos get that fourth spot, which sets up uh, first week of the finals clash against the Roosters, which in hindsight ended up being really important. Now, obviously, we can't play NRL maths and guess here, but the facts are we beat the Roosters, we lost to the Knights. So, potentially, if we had have dropped to fourth and not won by such a large margin there... We might have never been able to experience a grand final week here on the Gold Coast. So it ended up being really, really important uh, now knowing what we know. So we move to the NRLW finals now. Two big games to remember here, both equally important given the NRLW is sudden death from the get-go. A win over the Roosters, and unfortunately we all know a loss to the Knights. Now, we did recap these pretty in-depth, so we'll go slightly different for our analysis here. Best part of the Roosters win? What was something that just to this day you're still immensely proud of or will always remember? It's, it's got to be it's got to be the pass from Ivania Paliti to Destiny Mino Sinapati for that try that ultimately sealed the game there. Like, that pass was an absolute peach. It was a perler. It was brilliant. And, you know, the, the most important thing out of this game was that we kept them to nil. The best attacking team in the competition, we kept them to nil uh, at Allianz Stadium as well. So, yeah, really impressive win here for the Titans girls. Uh, really happy that we were able to do it. And, um, yeah, there was there was... If you look back in hindsight, and not a single point did we look like we were going to lose that game. Uh, but when, obviously, you're watching the game live, um, it was a really, really tense game. and It was a great game of rugby league. Best part for me is defense. I do agree with you in terms of, like, hype moments. That cutout pass might have been one of the... It's probably on par with, like, Jaden Campbell's breakaway try, right, for the Warriors, mm. where you just can't believe it. You're just overwhelmed with happiness. That that was definitely the biggest highlight. But looking back now... I think that now, would be the most... That would be probably the most hype moment in NRLW history for the Gold Coast Titans, I would say. I remember a try a few years ago. It was disallowed from Albert Kelly. It could have been 2014. He got an intercept against the Sharkies. It went 100 metres to get us back in the front. That was hype. Um, David Meads, famous pickup over the sideline. I was there, yeah. Sharky Park. That, that was an amazing one. But I think, like, for this try, it's not so much just what happened on the field. It's what it meant because we yeah. had... You know, it meant we were going to a grand final. And I think if you include the meaning of this try, then it is the greatest. Mm. But I think if you're looking for the highlight, our best highlight one would still be the David Mead pickup put down. Oh, no, I'm um, talking about an NRLW. I, I was saying the biggest yeah. highlight for the NRLW Gold Coast Titans would be that, that moment, Definitely. followed by Lauren Brown. Yep, I definitely agree there. Yeah, 
in terms of our entire club, including NRL men's, I'd probably say that this is still the most important try and the most hype try we've ever had just for what it meant. I look at the worst part of the Roosters win, and I really don't have one. I did think about this and, you know, potentially try to come up with something, but maybe some more points. But we just know the Roosters are super quality and we moved to the grand final anyway. Did you have anything that still irks you from this game or anything like that? Are you talking about the grand final? No, the Roosters game. Oh, I know you got some from that, but still the Roosters game for now. <laughs> Mate, I was cooking. I was waiting to cook for that one. Uh, no, from the Roosters game, um, nothing really, man. You know, like obviously, I would have liked to, I guess, score more points, but like we won 12 0 in a very, very solid game. Like there was nothing really disappointing about that game at all. Then we moved to grand final week, and uh, this was an awesome week for the Gold Coast community. What were the highlights for you leading up to this week? What was something that really made you appreciate the community we have on the Gold Coast? Or what's something you'd do different when we make the grand final next year? What, what's some things you'd like to see added to the week potentially? Well, I think I think that the, the Titans need to need to have utilized the video that I created, actually, with the, the fans of the club. I really appreciated the fact that I was able to get a whole bunch of fans from youngsters, like real youth, but under the age of ten to teenagers to, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Like we had everyone who is a part of the Titans NRLW community come out and say, Congratulations to the girls. You can't wait to see you win. We want to see you succeed. You know, and it really just showed that people were still watching regardless of the connotations, the negative connotations that the women's game does have. So I really appreciated what the women's community did, uh, the Titans community did. I just feel the Titans as a whole really should have backed that a lot more uh, because although I know the girls saw it, because most of the girls do follow me, so I know the girls did see it and they thanked and whatnot. I just think it would have been better if the club had have really pushed that so that, you know, everyone could have seen that we were a community backing this team and it wasn't just, you know, a certain section, right? It was everyone. So I think that that's something that the club should do going forward into next year's grand final. But, you know, outside of that, it was a great week and I loved it. I'll just come up with this while you were speaking. Let me know if you'd make any changes to this. Monday, what you said, uh, where on the weekend, every single fan gets asked via the Titans, whether it's social media, whatever it is, write a letter, send an email, send us a video. We're going to compile the best bits of everything and show it to the girls. I think that'd be a really, really special video to see their reaction as well. Mm. Tuesday, an open training session for all fans. Wednesday, a grand final dinner, like a sort of a, a grand final launch party, I guess, for the members. Like, I think that'd be really cool. And then Thursday, a proper farewell where like every single Titans member gets alerted, hey, our girls are going to the airport. They'll be going past this road. Can we please get every Titans fan out there with flags and cheering and stuff like that? To be, fair, those... to be fair, in regards to that one, we did have an open training session that was uh, we had a lot of people at, at Parkwood, yeah. Yeah, so I know that the open training session was there this this uh, this year, but in the future, yeah, I think like a grand final dinner would be really cool. You could probably capture like a little bit of a different audience there as well. Mm. And then the farewell, having that, it's like, well, maybe it was. I don't know if it was. That's some activities that come to my mind really quickly. Uh, but the grand final week was special regardless What's the toughest thing when you look back on the grand final itself? Like, obviously, we don't want to sound like outright sooks here. <laughs> we don't want to discredit the Knights to a too great of an extent. But by the same token, if we were truly going to recap this game and be honest, there there are some question marks we've got. And if you did miss our grand final recap, then you might not have heard these before. Uh, but if not, strap in. We'll go over it one more time for this year. So... 
biggest pill that is just still so hard to swallow to this day. Yeah, I think my biggest suggestion would be for people, if they haven't listened to it yet, to go back and listen to our grand final review because we do go in-depth into it a lot more than what we'll go into today. Uh, we went over like an hour or so of, of it. So, you know, it's um, you, you definitely should go and check that out. But look, I think that the biggest hurt for me is just the inconsistencies in the game. I think that for us, though, I was really impressed that, uh, you know, we went toe-to-toe with the Knights. We were leading with six minutes to go. We'd never been in the grand final before. We didn't know how to win games. We didn't know how to win that game. We knew how to win games, not that game, the grand final. Uh, but, you know, it was still an impressive performance there from the Gold Coast Titans against a Knights team that is quality. Had the rubber the green go their way. Don't want to hear it. Did have the rubber the green go their way. Um, and we still competed up until the final seconds where Tamika Upton is just Tamika Upton. So, uh, yeah, look, it was a, a, a big month for the club. It set the mindset to change. Our mindset as a club has changed to... Now, I hope one day we do it to... I feel like we're actually going to do this now. Like, I genuinely feel like there's going to be a grand final that we're going to win in the women's and the men's. And maybe... You know what the biggest thing was? A couple of years ago, we came out and said we're going to win four premierships, two in the men's and two in the women's by 2030. This women's team getting to that grand final, I think proved to me, and I hope you guys too, that that's actually not as far-fetched as people may think. Because if we win one in the men's... I could definitely see us going and doing two, similar because we see it with the Panthers, we've seen it with the Roosters, we've seen it with other teams. It's not impossible to go and do back-to-back. So you could actually kind of get that out of the way quickly there, once it'd be 2025, 26, 27, whatever. And then in the women's, the women's definitely can happen this year coming up. I genuinely believe we will win the, the Premiership in the NRLW in 2024. We've got the talent, we've locked them all up. Nia Williams is still there. You know, um, everyone's still there. It's going to be a really, really big year for the Gold Coast Titans women. And this game, despite all the inconsistencies with a, a referee that we don't usually have a pretty good record with in regards to making the right calls across both teams, um, you know, I'm happy with the performance overall still. I look back at that night's loss and I truly believe in my heart, if you play that game 10 times every weekend, back to back to back with different circumstances such as weather, referees, bunker officials, etc., I truly believe we win more than five out of ten times. I reckon we'll based on what I saw in this. Yeah, I'd go as high as seven. I probably wouldn't go eight. The nights are pretty quality, mm. but based on what I saw in this, I would go. I'd go seven out of ten. Seventy percent of the time, I think we win this game. And I did see people online say, "Why is everyone so proud? Uh, all we had to do was shut down Upton, and we failed to do it." Like we've got to be real. She's done that to Casual every team. Casual NRLW watchers, man. I don't even listen to them. Casual NRLW watchers. I mean, and she does it state and international level as well, right? She literally had the perfect season. Like, she's won three premierships now. She's a Karen Murphy medal winner. She got the Dally M. Uh, The only thing she didn't win this year was the Women's Origin MVP medal. And she was still one of the best players there, right? Keeping Politi in the centers. So, you just got to respect that that's the sort of player she is. Um, You know, when Reese Walsh did that to the Warriors, the same thing didn't stick. So, I don't know why it should stick against our girls. I thought that was pretty unfair, people saying that. My my biggest bitter pill to swallow for this one still, the fact the ball, well, that, that, that was what I was going to say. That was one moment, but I want to look at the whole game and say the fact the ball was in play for 48 minutes yeah. of a potential 70. Even the Roosters game, which was quite slow, if you guys remember that one as well, the ball was in play for 56 minutes. I feel if the ball was in this game for eight minutes particularly when we had momentum that was not paused by what you just referenced in the Shaley Bench strip. I believe that we will win this game. And I also believe, and no one from the Knights will admit this, 
But I do believe, given that that was the hottest NRLW game of all time, their coaches did say, we need you to lie down yeah. and we need you to give us breaks. Our forward pack is much more mobile and fit than theirs. Mm-hmm. Taylor Predabon and Caitlin Johnston are not as fit as Shannon Marto and Jessica Elliston. You can see that just by watching the game. Any game this year, you will see our props are much fitter. And so I do believe it was a deliberate game plan by the Knights to go down and fake those injuries and keep their larger forward pack refreshed in extremely uh, hot conditions. Yep. 48 minutes, bro, of a potential study. Ridiculous, yeah. Like, that's 22... Am I right? It's 22 minutes of time wasting. Yeah. It's just it's completely unacceptable. But just, just to summarize it all, man, it, it was just a great moment for the Gold Coast Titans. And again, it changes the mindset within the club to a positive. We can do it. Not, I hope one day it happens. We can do it. Exactly. And that's my biggest positive from this year. I've said it in the previous podcast, not to be too cheesy, but you can't be what you don't see. And we've seen ourselves in a grand final now. We've seen the blue and the gold, our colors on the big stage. And so everyone in our club believes now all the way from the executives to the players, to the staff, to the membership team. You know, we all believe it's awesome. Um, the fans, we, we all believe it now. And it's just awesome. So my only criticism I would have of our NRLW season as a whole is not actually towards the team. It's towards some of the fans. Now I don't want to go in too rough here, but come on guys, we've got to start getting around our NRLW team the exact same way we get around our NRL team. Hmm. I, I want to see, I want to see us become the best NRLW supporter base in 2024 of any side. And I believe we can do it together. Um, that's what I want to see. That's my only criticism. Uh, but to the team, man, like, I've got a young daughter, so I'm like naturally love the NRLW more now because, you know, I'd love to, uh, I love that there's a, an opportunity, a pathway for her there to potentially play one day if she loves footy. And just like watching that game at the Raiders, watching on telly with her, with my partner, with the family, it's just so many great memories this year. Like just special moments we got to experience together um, with my family, with my friends like you, and then wider with every single Titans fan, a part of our community. So it was just an awesome season overall. And I just want to say to the girls, like, even the words great job don't sum it up. Like it was a bloody unreal job. You brought us together. You made us believe. Um, and ultimately you just did us so proud. I, I really liken it to the Matildas. Would you agree with that? Like the Matildas brought together the whole of Australia because that's their supporter base. Mm. Our girls brought together the whole of the Titans being our supporter base. So I've got nothing but positives to say as far as that's concerned for the season. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. The women's Matildas. But that that, that also is a, a very big one-off moment with the Matildas. Like, that was a... It was the World Cup in Australia. You know, their support will kind of go away there. But with the women's NRLW, it's every single year. So it's going to be maintained a lot more than what the Matildas do. And it's going to continue to grow because it's a consistent. The Matildas, the next World Cup, wherever it is in the women's, could be at a time sort of 3 a.m. I guarantee all the people who got around them in this World Cup won't get around them then. But the NRLW Titans will be consistent, maintain, and become successful, and then they will continue to flock. Completely agree there, man. We've got a great opportunity as fans to keep that ball rolling and keep the momentum rolling and the support growing. Let's jump into our entire squad rankings out of 10. We'll run this the same way we ran the NRL ones. Uh, this podcast could be extended a little bit longer than usual, but we want to capture everything possible for Titans yeah, it'll fans. Probably, it'll probably one. go for about an hour and a half or so. Yeah, and I think when you're reviewing a whole season and every player, um, people can expect it might go a little bit longer than we would like. Let's start with our spine players. Brooke Sadler, unfortunately, I believe it was a broken fibula and tibula. 
um, against Ooh. the Cowboys, which would have ruled, would have it did rule her out for the season, which is sad. I read online that she overcame a similar injury last year, um, and she's only 22, so no rating for Brooke because we didn't get to see her. Fingers crossed we can next year. Shante Kiriaratu played all 11 games as a rookie in the spine and honestly didn't come up with any quote-unquote big plays, but did her job pretty much every single game this year, which is amazing for a rookie playing in the halves. I'm going to go an 8 out of 10. I think all the negatives we saw from Shante this year can be put down to the inexperience and the fact she's still a teenager and a rookie. And ultimately, I think it was an awesome first season in the league. So 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, what are you going to rate her? Yeah, this one I think can be anywhere from seven and a half to eight and a half. I am going to lean probably with the eight because of the rookie factor. I think that yeah. there was more games than not where she was really quality in this team, Shantae. There were some games though, like there was a moment in the grand final where we needed to see a little bit more energy where she had to grab the ball. Um, that was a bit of a disappointment there. But overall, Shantae has the ability here in this team to do good things. So I think... Rookie season, did more good than not. Made the grand final in her rookie season as well. Uh, I'm happy to go with an 8 out of 10 as well. Vanya Polite. Let me start by saying she's probably no longer the best fullback in the NRLW. I think Barry and Upton have probably surpassed her. But for what our team needs in a fullback, she is perfect. Because her running game is her strength, breaking tackles, generating momentum. Um, but those other fullbacks aren't having hit-ups one off the ruck and bouncing over forwards to score. Politi is, right? And so although the other two are better ball players, Politi is exactly what we need in a fullback. She had the most tackle breaks of any player in the comp this year. So I'm actually going to go a 9.9 out of 10. Are you going to push back there, or do you think it was pretty close to flawless for Politi this year? I'm still going to put her as a 9. I, I, like it's, That's a really high number, just because Clarkie's given her a 9.9 does not mean I'm putting her down by saying 9. That's still <laughs> an incredibly high number there. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm going to go just a flat 9 there. I think that she was really good. There were some moments where she did what she needed to do without being spectacular, uh, which is why she doesn't drop anywhere below what she did. She was a good leader from the back. She made huge meters, made massive tackle breaks, scored a try when she needed to. I thought she had a great season, so I'll go with a 9 out of 10. Next up's Talia Fumayano. Now, we only saw her for 47 minutes this year. Was looking dangerous in that time period, but you probably can't give a season rating based off half a game, so really excited to see her back in 2024, but no rating there. Sienna Lafipo. I'll let you go first for our young halfback. What are you going to give uh, Sienna for her season? Yeah, Sienna is a tough one because she obviously started off the first part of the year in the halves. Once Talia Fumona went down, we had to find another halves pairing for Shante Kidiratu, and we kind of went all in on Talia Fumona. So Sienna came in. I think that unfortunately for Sienna, she actually came in at a point where her and Shante are pretty much the same age, if not the same age, and they both have the same experience level, and you can't have that in the spine, and you can't have that in the halves. They were both at the exact same experience level, so to come in, she then didn't really work out with Shantae because of that factor. We've then pushed her to the bench. Uh, I think she did what... She did well for us. I'm not... I'm going to give her a rating here of a six and a half, because although it wasn't spectacular what we saw from her it was still fine. I believe she's a better player than a 6.5. I believe she definitely can be higher. Uh, but unfortunately, she just was given an opportunity at a time that was detrimental to her game, in my opinion. Completely agree. 6.5 out of 10 for me. Was handy in the halves. Was handy as a utility on the bench, given she can cover forwards, halves, and hooker. 
does have a very big future at our club. And I will say, although six and a half is on the lower end of the scale uh, to which most of our players will score, the fact she's playing internationals right now for Samoa and building that experience, like Flumayano is in all likelihood going to be the, our six next year. Um, mm. Well, it, it's almost certain, right? So that means it's between Lefipo and Shante Kiriato as to who gets that seven jersey. Or and it Sienna's could be still up, Lauren Brown. It could, yeah, it could be Lauren Brown as well. Uh, but I, well, then we, if not the seven, then you'd say probably the fourteen. Yeah. Um, between those two for the fourteen jersey, so Lefipo's shown she probably has more versatility, and she's building up her experience right now. So I think she still has a very big future at our club. Let's go, Lauren Brown who is officially my favorite NRLW player. <laughs> so talented, man. Like, to just move seamlessly from hooker to halfback like it's the same position, not even someone like Cameron Smith used to be able to do that, right? Um, it was clear we needed a change in the halves. Brown answered that call. She didn't just answer the call, though. She slammed the phone through the table. I'm going to go a 9.9 out of 10. I was just so impressed with her this year. Um, what are you rating Loza? Yeah, I'm going to give her a 9.5 out of 10. I think that she was absolutely fantastic. She got us in some really clutch moments against the Broncos, against the Dragons. Um, you know, yeah, she she was really, really quality across the season. And it was a much necessary addition to the halves as we were finding those struggles. So to move positions, uh, to be our kicker as well, whether that be good or bad at times, a 9.5 is, is definitely something that Lauren Brown should be doing because she definitely was a big part of why we got to the grand final. And of course, if she doesn't kick those two field goals, we don't even make finals if we lose those two games. Mm-hmm. The Raiders would have finished above us. So you can't really sum up, you can't really put into words how important it was, uh, her field goal moments. And I think even if even if you would ask the question, who kicks him if she doesn't? I generally don't know. Like maybe Riley has a shot. Um, maybe but she'd be yeah, very tired. Riley, I'd say. Yeah, Riley, but she'd be tired from all the tackles in oh, the middle there. Shantae Kiriratu took a couple of field goal attempts at the Broncos game, but they just weren't that great. Exactly, whereas Lauren Browns were just precise and nailed them. So probably don't play finals without Lauren this year, I'm absolutely honest. Uh, Brittany, Braley Nati, a strong season for me. I would have liked to have seen some more running. I think she only averaged like 16 metres this year, but did defend really solid and gave great service from dummy half with accurate passes. So I'll go a 7 out of 10 there. Um, what are you going to go? Yeah, I'll go a 7.5. I think that, look, she obviously did make the uh, shortlist for Hawker of the Year at the Dally M's as well. Um, she is a solid playman that we've needed, especially considering that we had to move Loza into that 7 role. We needed someone to replace Lauren in that number 9. And Brittany Bellinati, for me, did her job well. And, and obviously, a Hawker is an incredibly important position to a team. We made the grand final. I'll give Brittany a 7.5. Perfect. Let's move to our outside backs. We'll kick it off with Destiny Mino Sinapati. Another rookie this year, uh, played every game but round four. I'm not sure if that was due to injury. Um, was solid enough this year and consistent without being a superstar, which you don't really expect of rookies. I think her and Emily Bass will probably be our wingers next year. Uh, but I think that I think Bass will confirm her spot once fully fit, and that final spot will be between Karina Brown and Destiny Minister in a party. And I actually think it is tough to make a decision there. Because she's younger, I think she'll get it. Uh, but in terms of this season, I'm going to go a seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, I would agree. I'll go. I'm actually going to go eight. I think that she was a little bit better than a seven and a half out of ten. I think she put her name up for some rep duties. I think she won an award uh, through rep as well. Um, or from the BMD. But yeah, I thought Destiny Minnesota Party was a crucial part to our season. Obviously scored the ceiling try. Uh, the try that sealed the win against the Roosters. Um, yeah, I thought she's been a really good player for us, and I'll go an 8 out of 10. I think she's solid. 
it's such like a, a catchy name, Destiny Minnow Sinner Party, but it's also so long. Does DMS work? You know, like Daily Cherry Evans, DCE, DMS. Do you reckon that, that could catch on yeah, next I reckon year? that could catch on, DMS, yeah. DMS, DMs. yeah, I think it could. <laughs> well, yeah, it is actually. Uh, Don't jump Bats. into a DMs though. Do you, yeah. We're saying DMS. Don't jump into a DMs. Don't do it. No, don't be mistaken there. <laughs> Emily Bass, four games for us this year, cut short by injury, which was really frustrating because it was like completely not her fault at all. She got spear tackled into the ground. Um, and I don't even think that Cowboys... I think that Cowboys played like a week or two. Yeah, it was pretty... We, we absolutely ripped into the referee that game for that. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, a disgraceful tackle. Um, and then fell out of favour for Karina Brown, who was really awesome coming in and taking her opportunity. For Emily Bass, I'll go a 6 out of 10, only because of the injury. But she was probably on track for like a 7, potentially an 8 out of 10 season. So 6 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll go 6 out of 10 too. She didn't have the greatest start of the season. She was making quite a few mistakes. We were actually really questioning what was happening because we signed her as a rep football footballer and we were expecting a lot and didn't really get it in the early part of the season. Obviously, a long way. To, a lot could have changed though. Um, so I was really excited to see it change. I'll give it 6 out of 10 for the exact same reasons that you did and also because that's probably what I would have given her for her first couple of games. But she is a rep quality player who would have improved. I'm just trying to remember exactly when that spear tackle occurred. Was it in round one against the Cowboys, or am I mistaken it there? I, I can't remember the exact round, but potentially the um, the injury obviously wouldn't have helped with her form there as well. Mm. Haley Ormond Mansell. Now, had that awesome moment where she scored against the Sharkies, uh, but outside of that, only had one game in the centres and one from the bench. I'll go a 6 out of 10. Like, didn't do anything bad with limited opportunity, but also didn't do enough to lock down a regular spot in the 17 for me. So six out of 10. Yeah, she didn't. Yeah, she got that winning try against the Sharkies. Nothing spectacular. I think I've seen better from her in previous years. It's unfortunate for her because our club has a lot of good wingers. Uh, we have Karina Brown. We have Emily Bass. We have Destiny Minnes in a party and Haley J. Orman Mournsall. It's, yeah, it's really unfortunate for her. It wasn't a great season. I'll, I'll go with a six as well. She didn't really get much of an opportunity. Yeah, hopefully Monster gets a bit more opportunity next season because the talent was there, what we did see, but we just need an opportunity to see more. Jamie Chapman, straight up, 9.9 out of 10. Clearly our best attacking weapon. To anyone that would push back, I would just say, like, what more could Chapo have done this year? And what actually shook me when I was going through the stats is, can you believe she's only 21? Crazy. I thought she was, like, 25 or 26. We need to make her a Titan for life after that hat-trick in the grand final. Uh, so, yeah, for me, a 9.9 out of 10. It was as close to perfect as you could get, I believe. I'm going 10. I'm going 10 for Jamie. It. I'm going the first 10 of the podcast, Jamie Chapo. I think she was brilliant. I don't think there was a point throughout the season that she did much wrong. She scored bolt tries for us. She was a dominant center. She, I called her as you know the, the best signing of the offseason, and I'm very happy with it. Jamie Chapman was incredible. I'm going to give her a 10 out of 10. So I've actually never given a 10 out of 10 before, but I am going to give one later for our team for the first time ever Ooh. in a season review. So everyone can start thinking they want to do that. I beat you. I did beat you, though. I beat you to the punch. Yeah, you got me. You got me there. <laughs> Karina Brown, one of our veterans. I think she's uh, 34 now. Previously played for the Gillaroos, Maroons. Was not in our 17 originally, but did come in due to that injury to Bass and just refused to lose her wing spot, really. Like, although Emily Bass, I believe, had recovered from her injury, there was just no way you could justify dropping Brown. Averaged over 100 metres this year. Had really powerful scoots for us, so... Just like Minos in a party, I'm going to go a 7.5 out of 10. Really safe, reliable, and consistent. 
Yeah, I thought she had a pretty solid season, man. I'm actually going to go 7.5 out of 10 as well with you. Uh, she needed to come in and impress considering that she was kind of taking up a spot of an injured player and then didn't give up her wing spot. So yeah, 7.5, 7.5 out of 10 is probably right. Perfect. Niall Williams-Guthrie. I thought a really solid first season in the NRLW. Another one of veterans that did their job every week. I'm going to go a 7 out of 10, though. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more attacking flair from Williams Guthrie, particularly given her Rugby Sevens background, uh, but always defended well and did her job every week. So 7 out of 10 for me. Yeah, no, Williams Guthrie really needed her to come in. Obviously, experienced player. She uh, obviously plays Samo as well now, uh, and that really comes to off the back of a really successful season, I feel like, with the club. I don't think there was anything spectacular moments-wise from Niall, but I think that Niall overall was really solid. So I'm going to give her a 7.5. It's an interesting one. Hey, she was so solid, but I think she only scored the one trial year. That was against the Roosters. And I bet a lot of people would have thought she would have scored plenty. Very solid defensively. Yes, very, very. Sienna Lang did not feature this year, so we won't have a rating there. Let's move to our forward pack. Danny Parisi... Seven games this year, all from the interchange with limited minutes. But I always like the energy she brought, just like Riley Organson comes on and brings energy. So I'll go a seven out of 10. Yeah, I think that there was nothing uh, out of this world that we saw, but definitely did her job when she would come off, come on the field. Really impressed with how she carried herself on the field. I will go seven out of 10 as well. This next player you correctly predicted as our player of the year, so I will let you go first. <laughs> our inspirational leader, the the uh, the spirit, Dallium, captain of the year that got absolutely robbed of that award, Georgia mm-hmm. Hale. What rating are you going to give Georgia? Yeah, I think that I'm going to have to give Georgia... If I'm going to give Jamie Chapman a 10, I'm going to have to give Georgia Hale a 10 because Georgia Hale was incredible defensively. She was a great leader. She knew how to attack as well. Uh, just everything that Georgia Hale encompassed in 2023 was what we would we absolutely love with this team. So uh, it was a perfect season from Georgia. Didn't get the uh, win in the grand final, but next year is the year. Now, if you can be bothered, I want you to edit in right now as this part of the podcast, the noise they make on draft night in the NBA, that <laughs> sound. If you can be bothered right now, and if not, there was an awkward silence. 10 out of 10, baby, with the first <laughs> ever 10 out of 10. Georgia Hale picks it up. A perfect season by our skipper. I'm pumped up right now, man. The she established herself, and I will not cop anyone that disagrees with this. She established herself as the best defender in the league, yep. the best captain in the league, and she did it by averaging over 100 metres in the middle as well. The first ever 10 out of 10. I have no criticism or anything you could say bad about Georgia Hale. Just simply unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't I don't even have words. It was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm yep. literally lost the words to describe it. Um, Jessica Elliston, for me, straight up 9 out of 10. Very strong and consistent season, particularly with her partner in crime, Shannon Marto. Last year, we knew Jess was powerful coming off the bench for us. Now we know she's an out-and-out starter, and she could just never come off the bench again. We need her in the middle to start our games. Nine out of ten. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with a nine out of ten as well. Um, yeah, she was she was something else this season. Obviously, like you said, really impressed off the bench last year, but now is impressed as a starter with this team. And we have the best front rowers in the competition, so I'll go with a nine out of ten as well. Caitlin Phillips, three games from the interchange this year. Uh, I'll just go a five out of ten. We didn't get to see enough. Did her job. Didn't do anything above that. So five out of ten for me there. Yeah, I, I hate giving 5 out of 10, but I kind of do have to do it. Like, we didn't see much from her 
Um, there wasn't anything unreal that we saw when she was there. Uh, I, definitely a great person. We you know love her for the team, but overall, we didn't really get to see a great deal from her in her limited opportunities. And I've gone the same way with Laika Clark. Three games from the bench. Does have my namesake, same surname there. But five out of ten. And it's not that these players did anything wrong to deserve uh, a 50% mark. It's just that they didn't get opportunity. Um, mm. So it's not even a criticism of themselves. But I'll go five out of ten there. You agree? Yeah, I have to agree as well. I know this next player is one of your fan favorites. So please boom, go boom. first. Riley Jorgensen. Boom, boom. Boom! Can't miss her in a pink headgear, son. I'm giving her a 9 out of 10. I thought it was a brilliant debut season there from Riley Jorgensen. I think she is the epitome of an absolute slammer off the bench. Riley Jorgensen was just absolutely superb this season. Just knew how to make tackles, knew how to make tackles with an absolute oomph, with an impact, and it lifted the team. It really lifted the team. So, you know, I, you've said it in the past as well. You believe that Riley could be one of the best back rowers in the comp. I absolutely agree with what you say. She could be one of the best back rowers in the comp. Yeah, I'm going eight and a half out of ten, so I went slightly less there. Eight games mostly from the bench, but even when she was coming off the bench, like she was playing more minutes than the back rowers she was replacing. Um, it was kind of just to let the other forwards tire out a little bit so her impact is even more into a game. The energy she bought was just immense. Like, I think you could say she would have been the Dalian Interchange Player of the Year if they still had that award. Um, yeah, and should. I do. Yeah, I think it's a good award. Um, but she definitely has the potential to be the best back rower in this game. Shannon Mato, nine and a half out of 10. Our engine, our motor in the middle. You know what the word that just describes her season? Powerful. Mm. It's just powerful in every sense of the word. So, a nine and a half out of, out of 10 for me. Uh, what are you going to give, Shannon? Yeah, uh, engine and motor in the middle is exactly what I would think of when I think of Shannon Mato. I have to agree with you again, 9.5 out of 10. Uh, it was just an absolute big bopper play. You know, obviously there are going to be other clubs that are probably going to be, you know, looking to try and steal her now with how good she has been. Uh, but I really hope that she realizes that we love her here on the coast and she's been absolutely brilliant uh, for us. So, uh, yeah, obviously uh, big ups to Shannon there, 9.5 out of 10. And uh, looking forward to the future with Shannon. Yeah, we love Shan. We need to re-sign Shan. Very, very important player. Um, hit me up again. You go right now for Shaylee Bent. Uh, boom, boom. That's her X Factor right there. She is. So if you guys don't know, Shaylee Bent and David Feeder partners, she is the David Feeder of our men's team. She is the exact same kind of player. She's our X Factor. She's a bolstering back row man. She had a great season, man. I'm going to give her an 8 out of 10. Obviously came from the Dragons. We had a couple of Dragons imports this year, uh, but Shaylee Bent was, was one that really took the Gold Coast on as her own. She loved it. She was great and uh, really impressed with how Shales went. So yeah, I'll give her an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 as well, um, but the fact her and Dave turned down that reported uh, Raiders offer, we'll go 8.5. We'll throw a little cheeky half point off oh, if I turn down the Raiders. You would want to live in Canberra, Clarky. You would want to live in Canberra. She wins. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> but no, she did have over 100 metres, and she did formulate, uh, really, I would say the most dangerous left edge in the entire competition. Um, I think the Knights' right edge is probably stronger than the left. So, yeah, I'd say we had the most powerful left edge there when you consider it Shaley Bent, Jamie Chapman, Destino Minosinapati, and you've also got Avonia Politi coming around that side also. Uh, Sophie Buller, 11 minutes against the Dragons. No real rating applicable in that time there. Steph Hancock. I love Steph this year. I mean, she went from a starting forward to a bench forward. But her injection with Riley, even though we were usually taking off Shannon Marto and Jess Elliston for those players, 
we never really like we we never noticed that our two proper gun starting props that are the best in the league were going off. And I think that was larger because Steph and Riley really brought that energy for the period they were on the field. So I have seven and a half here. I'm going to upgrade it to 10. Uh, eight out of 10. Sorry, I'm going to upgrade ten. to eight out of 10. Um, I love you, Steph. Not quite a 10, but I will go eight out of 10 for Steph. Beautiful season from her. I think to put this in context, Steph is 42 years old and yeah. she was a leader and she did brilliant work for us. She actually got held up over the line a lot this year because she was just such a big bull runner that she would get over the line that would hold her up because there's like five, six women on her and she would tire out the opposition. In context, I'm actually going to give her a 9 out of 10. I think individually, for a 42-year-old player to be running as hard as she is, not be tired from it, to still be rocking. She's a rock and roll. She's like the ACDC, the kiss of the NRLW. That's how good she is. I'm taking her as a 9 out of 10 as an, on an individual level. And it's, it's crazy you say that too because, you know, like most players when they get to like late 30s, mm. by then fans are genuinely saying they need to hang up the boots. For Steph, I'm literally thinking in my head, I don't want to lose her next year. You're not going anywhere, Steph. Hey, listen here, Steph. You're not going anywhere. You're here for the next 20 years. Steph's just like to the point where she's rocking up to the, <laughs> walking onto the field with like a walking cane, yeah. ditches it, goes hard for 20 minutes and then comes off for a spell again. Um, <laughs> oh, mate, we love her. She is so awesome from the bench. Zara Canfield. This is one of my lower ratings. I'm going to go a five and a half out of 10. I thought this year Zara was mainly a placeholder until Riley came on in that back row spot. Did tackle at 90% efficiency, was which was handy, uh, but only averaging 42 meters there. Our other starting back row, rower by comparison, um, in Shaley Bent was averaging over 100. Um, so I think that Zara has a little bit more I'd like to see from her in 2024, and I do think she has the potential to offer more. So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to give a 5.5 out of 10 for Zara, which is one of my lower rankings. Um, what are you going to give? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you, man. You know, and, and this is nothing on Zara because, you know, she's a great girl, but... You know, it wasn't her greatest season. I do think that she was a bit of a placeholder. With that being said, though, you know, when you've got an X-Factor like Shaylee Bent, you kind of don't need two X-Factor back rowers. Uh, but then again, I guess we're going to have Bowie Furman, Dave Fee in the men, so I, I shouldn't be saying that, and that's going to be electric. Uh, but mm. Zara, you know, yeah, she, she did her job this season. She didn't really kind of lift to expectation, I would personally say. Um, I will agree with you on five and a half. I hate to say it, but I do think that, that she can do a lot better than what she did in 2023. Mm, and it sucks that we went through that alphabetically for anyone that was wondering. So Zara being Z was the last. So I hate finishing on a negative note. Well, not even a negative note, but just not an ultra positive note. Well, um, like at the end of the day, guys, we we, hear, we we want to be honest with you, but we also want to be positive, right? And, you know, we're going to be as positive as we possibly can, but we also know you're adults, so we're going to tell you the truth. And we say this to you all the time. We're going to tell you our opinions. Now, we, we know the players. A lot of we both of us, you know, have relationships with the men and also with the women's team. So it is difficult to have conversations about it. But with that being said, the players also respect the fact that we are giving a positive viewpoint, but also being honest with said positive viewpoint. So although it sucks to see Zara down there at a five and a half, you know, I know she can do better than what she's done and hopefully it's a motivator for her. A hundred percent, man. That's the biggest thing too. Like even our players that we just went through that didn't score as high as the others. And in a grand final year, of course, a lot of our players did score high. Um, there's no there's no players in our NRLW side where you go, we're probably going to 
Um, every single one you think like they're either super young and the potential's there, or we just didn't see enough to give a high enough ranking. Um, Zara falls into the super young category where she's still got a lot of upside in her career. So overall, really, really high rankings for pretty much all of our side. And uh, that just sums up a really, really awesome season. And hopefully that sums up a really interesting podcast for our listeners that was NRLW focused. And we're really hopeful that this generates the same viewership as our men's one did because our women absolutely deserve it after that season. Now, I, it is I, the I, I will actually just quickly say, though, our, our, our viewership for the uh, the latest podcast have actually been pretty solid despite the fact mm. the season is over. So a really big shout-out to everyone listening in. Like, you know, it's definitely not unseen. We do appreciate you still listening in the off-season despite the fact that, obviously, the games are finished. Absolutely. And as we draw closer to the 2024 season, we're going to ask a few favors. We're going to ask a share here and there, word of mouth, uh, because the simple fact is we do want to bring together as much of the Gold Coast as we possibly can together on this podcast and be a positive voice uh, for our community and for what is hopefully a huge 2024 season all across the board when it comes to the Titans. Now, it is the off season, but we are going to be kicking on Next week. Next week, I believe we had planned the player draft. Do you remember? Am I correct in that one? Uh, yes, we've, we've got player draft. We've got quiz and stuff like that. I'm not too sure. You sent me something the other week uh, about potentially doing a draft next week, is it? Well, I'll let you say right now, do you want to do a quiz against each other next week or do you want to do a do draft? Do you want to do a quiz against each other next week is the question, my friend. <laughs> hey, let's push the quiz one week down the road so I can research a little bit and, and uh, jump in the uh, office and do a little bit of studying there. So let's go the, let's go the draft next week. We have first each other in a draft before, yeah. but we were able to prepare and really think about it. I think for this one, we add a few funky little rules and caveats mm. to make it interesting and different. Like maybe something where you must make your pick within like 10 seconds. Oh, okay. Otherwise, oh, the other wow. person gets to pick for you. <laughs> Could you damn. imagine? Oh, damn. Okay, well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> I know who's going on your team then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do not take longer than 10 seconds. No, Mate, in all seriousness. You, you've got Isan Masters in your front row, that's for sure. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on because I don't want to put it negative. In all seriousness, guys, we will flesh out the exact, uh, how exactly that draft will look, but we think it'll be exciting all the less, and we hope to see you there. So from myself, thank you very much for being a part of this podcast and for tuning in to what was an awesome season by our girls. We both really hope you enjoyed it. Um, and with that in mind, Blaze, let's go over to you to farewell the show. Yeah, we appreciate you as always, guys. Um, I, I think that right there, that shows how funny that could be, actually, if we do that 10 seconds. And uh, if not, if you don't do it in 10 seconds, the other person gets to select for you. Uh, <laughs> it's quite funny, actually. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously be doing that. Uh, we are also thinking about getting in contact with the boys and, uh, and the women as well to try and get some uh, chats going on the podcast because... Uh, we really want you guys to know who these people are rather than just kind of the players. They are genuine people as well who do live lives. And, you know, that's what I want to really create with here is that they are also still human guys. So when you abuse them and when you talk about them online, they still are human, right? So you do have to kind of understand that. Uh, same goes with myself and Clarky, but, you know, you just learn to tolerate the online world uh, when you're in our position and their position. Uh, but yeah, look, we hope you guys are enjoying the uh, the podcast. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe. As Clarky said, word of mouth, share it around. Not many other podcasts go out there and, and still create content in the off-season.
season and we want to do our best to create content throughout the off-season for you before the pre-season obviously starts and then I'll be down there at training. Obviously, this bloke lives in Timbuktu, Canberra, so he can't really get to trainings, but um, you know, we'll get to training and it, it should be good, man. So um, plenty to come. Like I said, like and subscribe if you're on Apple. Give us a rating, a nice little five-star, bing bong, also on Spotify. And we will see you guys next week for did we just did we say draft we say it's draft next week yeah i think you said isan masters was your first pick so <laughs> lock in and lock hey, in listen, the draft. i thought you said you didn't want a negative to end on this and you've just gone and end, ended with a negative how dare you how dare you that's it isan masters front row that's what's coming for your team and patrick herbert's going in the lock position there we go but uh, all right guys we appreciate you as usual should be a good fun draft next week and we will see you guys next time. Alrighty guys, thanks for watching. See ya! Zing! Zing!